Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now, let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. Today, I'm super excited because I am doing this podcast with a woman named Ginger Hubbard. And if you haven't heard of her, she is a best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, which I've read and I love that, Wise Words for Moms, and I can't believe you just said that, which is a new release for her. Um, She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. She has written articles for Focus on the Family, Baptist Press, Home Life Magazine, Proverbs 31, uh, Women, and Crosswalk.com. And she's been interviewed on The 700 Club, The Harvest Show, Family Life Today with Dennis Rainey. Anyway, she's a woman who's been interviewed a lot and spoken a lot on the subject of parenting. She has a special talent for delivering personal and often humorous stories and then tying wisdom um, in well beyond her years. So I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today with me, Ginger. Thank you, Shari. I'm thrilled to be on here with you. I appreciate you having me. I know you've had kind of a crazy morning, just like me. You just basically cut your finger (laughs) off. (laughs) Yes, and then you had the whole mouse episode, so we have just both had quite the mornings, but I think that that probably means it's going to be an encouraging show. (laughs) Yes, my my dog um, found a mousetrap. I hate mice, and we... I, somehow one got in our house. So when we built our house, I told our builder, the one thing that I don't want is for mice to be able to get in. He assured me he had closed all the holes, but there is one in our house. So I'm on a mission and we're going to get this thing out. Um, but anyway, so it's been a little nuts this morning, but um, I know I spoke at Mops actually yesterday in our town And um, it was kind of a crazy morning, too, for them because a hurricane was coming through and they were trying to to decide whether to cancel or not, whether all these moms would make it in the morning. And so um, it was really neat. The lady who was in charge of the Mops Mothers of Preschool program, she said, this morning I realized how much we don't need to do because we're basically just all here hanging out without all the frilly decorations we usually do. And it's still going to be really good. Uh Mm-hmm. That's right. That's yep. right. You don't need all that, do you? Right. So um, your f- the first book that I read of yours was Don't Make Me Count to Three. And the thing that I loved about that book was you really talked about the heart of parenting. And I was a new mom. I'm a number one on the Enneagram scale. And Um, If you don't know what the Enneagram is, basically that it's kind of type A. It just means perfectionists like to have things in order. And so when things get out of order, it's a little flustering to me, (laughs) you know. Uh And so sometimes, and well, a lot of times you can't keep order with your kids. They're people and they have their own desires and their own wills. And it can be tempting to want to control their behavior rather than pastoring their heart. And so when I read your book for the first time, I think that 
Um, it was the first time I really digested that idea and started putting it into practice. So I want to thank you for that, first of all. Well, that's great. That encourages me. Thank mm-hmm. you. Have you had a lot of people just talk about that book and how much it changed their lives too? I do. And it's it's just really humbling because it's really not anything I feel like that I should take credit for. I basically just, you know, had a heart to really um, use the scriptures and reach the hearts of my kids for God. And so with all of the different struggles that they were facing, I just simply sat down and just researched what does God's word have to say about these issues? Because I didn't want to just parent the outward behavior of my children. I really wanted to learn how to get past that outward behavior and really pull out what was going on in the heart. And so I basically just sat down and did the homework and then shared it with other moms. And Mm -hmm. so it's really wisdom from God's word, not so much wisdom from Ginger Hubbard. Yeah, (laughs) which is so um, crazy, I think, because as people, when you see the results of controlled behavior. You can see that right in front of your face. So I think that's why it's harder to pastor the heart because sometimes it takes years to really know, Are they? do they really understand this scripture that I'm trying to share with them? And when will I start seeing, um, you know, quote, the results of what it is that I'm trying to teach them? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think I actually just thought it might be impossible to pastor the heart when they were little because they have such short attentions and you just don't know if you're really getting into that like little brain and that little heart of theirs. Um, but my kids are older now and I really do see the fruit of taking those verses and applying that you brought out in that book. And you've written a new book. I can't believe you just said that biblical wisdom for taming your child's tongue. Will you tell me just a little bit, just give our listeners a little bit of a review of what that book is an overview and why you wanted to write it? Yes, absolutely. As a national speaker, I know you speak all over too, so you hear the things that moms need help with, and so we both hear that. And so as I've spoken, you know, all over the country, I've listened to those parents express their heartache over their inability to um, tame the tongues of their children, and they have read the books and tried the advice, but they're still frustrated because it just seemed like nothing was working. And so after I wrote Don't Make Me count to three, I really wanted to address some of those tongue-related offenses. So in my new book, I can't believe you just said that. What I'm doing there is I'm exposing some of those faulty child training methods, which fail to reach the heart, and equipping parents with biblical principles that really sort of provides them with a toolbox full of illustrations and examples for implementing those principles in in a practical way. And there's so many great books out there. I've read many parenting books that are that are really really good and they focus on what the Bible says about parenting. But and and many of them are full of scripture that are helpful in parenting. But what I found and what I hear, heard other moms saying is that few offer the information that parents need most, which is how to practically apply those scriptures to those tongue-related struggles that mm-hmm. our children are facing in everyday life. So that was my goal for this book. Mm-hmm. And and that's what you're saying is that yours is unique because there's like practical application. I think that's hard overall sometimes when you're trying to teach 
to someone's heart, you know that there's so many different parenting parents out there. There's so many different kids. There's so many different personalities. And with all of that, it can feel overwhelming to know how do I speak to all of these different kinds of people? So I think it's neat that you have um, in your book, you have three principles that you basically apply to each um, struggle that the parent is facing, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. Every single chapter um, begins with basically just an opening scenario that sort of lays out how one of these different tongue-related struggles might happen or go down in the home. And so um, every chapter is a different tongue-related offense like lying or tattling or whining or complaining, all of those different verbal struggles that kids face. And so I have this opening scenario and And then I offer a very simple, deeply biblical three-step plan for how to address each one of those behaviors in a very heart-oriented and um, biblical way. Ginger, I love the heart of your book. What would you say you've noticed as a mom, a writer, a speaker, as you travel all over talking to other moms, what is a trend that you feel like you've seen in parenting that um, has motivated you to write this book? Well, I think that we, as you know, we live in a nation that defies God at every point, including child training. And All parents um, desire to raise happy, obedient children, but so many parents fail to achieve those results. And I really see that reason as being twofold. First, is that many parents in an attempt to get their children to obey and show that verbal respect have adopted faulty child training methods, which focus only on that outward behavior of their children. So many parents have developed that philosophy that if they can get their children to act right and to behave, that they're raising them the right way. But there is far more to parenting than getting our children to act right. We have to get them to think right and to be motivated out of a love of virtue you and a love of God rather than a fear of punishment. And so I really see, you know, part of the problem today is just a failure to reach the heart and just really not knowing how to do that. And then the second problem that I've observed is that parents are simply not following the instructions in the instruction manual. I once heard Roy Lesson, I just loved his illustration here. He compared God's instructions for parents to an owner's manual for a new appliance. Mm -hmm. And he went on to explain, that when you buy a new appliance, the manufacturer provides you with an instruction manual and it tells you how to use that appliance and how to keep it in the best working order. And if something goes wrong, then the customer is obviously encouraged to contact the manufacturer for repairs. And it is the same with families. The family was God's idea. He brought it into being. And in the Bible, he's provided parents with instructions for how it operates best. And so that's what I've tried to do with this book is I've just taken God's word and I have... um, broken down this three-step plan for each one of those tongue-related struggles. I'd love to tell you just very quickly about the three-step plan, what those three steps involve, if you'd like. Yeah, I'd love that. One one thing when I'm listening to what you're saying is, I wonder if we as adults um, are just taking the things that we apply, we think that God is more pleased when our behavior looks good. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think, or 
I have thought that in the past. I think that grace in my life has been something I've been learning and learning and learning, and it's been progressive, of course. But um, for whatever reason, if we can perform well for God, I think that sometimes we think he's more pleased with us. And so maybe that just flows into our parenting because if we think our kids behave better, um, then we think God's pleased with us more. Or maybe we think that everyone else looking at us thinks that we're better parents. And so it can be scary to let our kids mess up in front of people (laughs) and Uh wonder what they think about us. And so I think when I started parenting this different way that you're suggesting, I had to be okay with someone looking at me and disagreeing with the way that I was parenting and Um, in fact, Clayton and I used to travel around and we still do, but I remember we'd be at churches trying to talk to people. And sometimes my kids had been there for four hours and they were little and it was multiple services and they'd be climbing under the pews after (laughs) everybody is leaving. You know, it's like people are leaving. And at that point I'm thinking they've been good for four hours. I'm not going to be, you know, disciplining them about climbing under the pews, but people would look at me like, are you going to control these children? Right, right. And And we do. We worry about what other people think. And it's so easy to follow, especially people with personalities like mine and like yours, where we are kind of tend to be a little bit on the perfectionist side and wanting everything to be in order and wanting things to be just right. And our feathers kind of get ruffled when they're not. And we want to fix it and control it. And that just kind of goes with these kinds of personalities. But the danger in that is we can become very self reliant instead of relying on God and and also really sort of measuring our worth by what other people think and how other people perceive us and and our parenting and how our children behave. But you're so right. That is not what it's all about at all. It's about a reliance on God and just, and our attitudes um, should not so much be to have these perfect children that make us look good and, um, and to get all these compliments on them, but to really take those opportunities when our kids do blow it and even when we blow it to take the time and look at what God's word says and pray through that and repent and then and then do things um, in a way that that honors God for his glory not for the uh, you know a better mark in in people scoring us right right so what are your um, the three steps that you take Okay. Well, so for every one of those different verbal offenses, um, I do offer just a very simple three-step plan. And step one is heart probing questions. And, you know, if you think about it in all the stories in scripture, when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't wave his finger in their face and say, this is what you did wrong. And this is what you should have done instead. If -hmm. you think about it, when people would blow it, Jesus a lot of times would use heart probing questions. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people would have to take their focus off of the circumstances and the situations around them and onto the sin in their own heart. So for every one of those verbal offenses, that's step one is I just offer two or three just very, very simple questions just to help parents really learn how to how to reach past that outward behavior and pull out what is going on in the heart. And then in the book of Ephesians, we are instructed to put off our old self and put on our new self. So step two is what to put off. 
what God's Word says mm-hmm. about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. And then step three is what to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right. So that's pretty much the common denominator in every one of those chapters is, is a very simple three-step plan to help parents do that. I love that. And yeah, you're right. Um, I noticed when I was trying to learn about grace, the Lord was like, I want you to go back to the Old Testament and start from the beginning and look for things that ways that I offered grace. And one of the very first ones was when Adam and Eve disobeyed and chose to trust themselves instead of the Lord. When the Lord came to find them, he asked them questions, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. where are you? Um, who told you, (laughs) Uh you know, all of these things, he's asking them questions, I think, so that they can see where they went wrong rather than him telling them. And there's nothing wrong necessarily with us telling and instructing our kids, but I think giving them the opportunity to see what they've chosen um, and how they chose disobedience rather than the fact that they were forced into it or just couldn't help it, you know, when we when we can teach them that they're making these choices, then they take, they have to take responsibility for that, you know? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and two, when we ask those questions, that helps them to evaluate their own hearts and to recognize and take sin, I mean, take ownership for the sin that's there. And then ultimately that helps them recognize their need for Christ. Right. And it t- teaches them to shepherd their own heart instead of depending on you as a parent you know, to be there all the time telling them right and wrong. It's not that I'm not ever going to take a phone call from my child, but I want him to be able to know mm-hmm. and hear from the Lord himself um, when he's straying. So mm-hmm. one of the things that you talk or one of the issues that you address in your book is rudeness in our children. Um And obviously, what I think is funny is that all the things that you talk about, I don't necessarily think are um, limited to children. Um, (laughs) They're things that adults struggle with, too, Mm -hmm. you know, arguing and rudeness. And um, we do all of this as well. So maybe some adults could read your book and benefit. But um, you say in the book um, that we shouldn't ask, like, ourselves, why do they act like that? But it's probably the first question that always comes like whenever my kids would do stuff, I'm always thinking, why are they doing that? Why are you doing this? And yes. that's the first thing you want to say. But you're, you say in your book, there's a different way to approach that uh, and there's a different solution. What would you share that with us right now? Yes. And I can totally relate, Shari, because that's exactly how I was when mine were little and I was just constantly shocked and taken back by some of the things that would come out of their mouths and and whether it was whining or lying or talking back or whatever. And I would look at them literally and say, why do you act like that? So Mm -hmm. I could relate to, and sometimes we're embarrassed by the things that they do and say, and sometimes it's just that we don't know what to do. So that's all we know to ask. But after a closer look at the Word of God, I realized I was asking the wrong question. In Mm -hmm. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus explained, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, there's merit to that old saying, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And so our our sin does not begin with our mouths. It begins with our hearts. The mm-hmm. sin that shows up in our words, it comes from inside us. And it actually starts a lot sooner than we might think. King David proclaimed, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So when parents really 
just truly grasp the or the origin of sin and and just the total depravity of the human race in general, we no longer question why our children sin. So I slowly learned to stop asking that question, why does my child sin? And instead I began to ask myself, when my child sins, mm. how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner, just like I am, and he is in need of a Savior? How can I help him understand and live in the transformational power of Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And what I think is neat is when we teach our kids that they're sinners and that's why they're making mistakes we can also give ourselves permission to make mistakes in front of our children. And that has been so freeing for me. It's not like I, I want to make mistakes, but I'm going to make them and my kids are going to see it. So uh-huh. I actually just wrote a blog about that this week. Do I just want to hide my failure and act like I'm perfect? Or when I sin, do I want to look at my kids and say, oh, man, I just blew it. Will you forgive me? Uh, yes. And let's pray that I can do a better job or that you can you can help me when I'm feeling impatient or you just saw that. Guess what? We're all sinners, but let's pursue the Lord, you know? So Yes. And I'm so glad you said that because same here. There were, you know, I mean, I've been writing parenting books for many, many years. So I knew all of this. I knew, you know, the right way to parent. But there were many times that I blew it with my kids. And I found that instead of beating myself up, which I have a tendency to do, um, the, those times could be became precious opportunities for them to see the grace of God in my life and how Jesus works in my heart and brings me to repentance. And so like you, there were many times that I had to sit my kids down and say, you know what? I was rude. The mm-hmm. way that I just spoke to you, it it did not show respect for you and it did not honor God. And so will you forgive me and, and let me try that again in a way that does show respect for you and does honor God. So that way I'm modeling that same sort of listening to the voice of God and responding in humility and repenting and then going back and making things right. And man, you know, some of the times that I blew it were really some of the, the sweetest teaching moments with my children because it was I'm, I'm the one that had to repent. I'm the one that had to model for them what it looks like to to really have a relationship and respond um, to the voice of God. Right. And I think it's actually a great bonding moment because we're showing or I feel like I can show my kids that they have they can have a voice in my life, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That the Lord can sh- can speak something to them or give them something to pray for me about, and I can receive that, and we can actually be a team as a family in reaching this world for the Lord and yes. being like reflections of His image together as a team, like we're a power team together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um But I know one thing that's so hard is feeling disrespected as a parent when your kid whines or talks back and you're just looking at him like, who do you think you are? I mean, like that's (laughs) usually my first reaction, but whining is one of those things that can just crawl, get under your skin and just make you crawl as a parent. Um, And this is one of the issues that you address in your book. So how do you think that the Bible would would instruct us to help our kids with 
um, whining. With specific behaviors. And yeah, and whining is a really good one. And for a while, one of my kids really struggled with whining, my daughter, Alex. So I can definitely relate and sympathize with parents dealing with that annoying verbal offense. It is one they can certainly get under your skin. And, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about whining specifically. It doesn't use the word whining, but the Bible does talk about self-control. And mm-hmm. if you think about it, Shari, whining is an issue of self-control. And so when my daughter would whine in an attempt to get her way or to acquire something that she wanted, um, let's, let's just do an example. Let's just say that she comes into the kitchen and rather than simply asking for a cup of juice, she whines for it. I would just simply ask a, a simple heart probing question, something like, honey, are you asking for juice with your self-controlled voice? Mm-hmm. No, sweetie, you're not. And God wants you to have self-control, even with your voice. And so I had a little plan for whining that worked really, really well. What I did is I said, okay, honey, because I love you so much and I want to help you get self-control, even with your voice, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set the timer for three minutes. I had a little kitchen timer that I used, but you could use a cell phone or you know, stopwatch, just whatever you want to use. And then when that timer goes off, then you can come back and ask for juice the right way. So you see, I reproved her for whining. I had her suffer the consequence of having to wait three minutes. And then most important, I give her the opportunity to come back and ask for juice the right way with self-control. And that is an issue that is addressed in God's Word. Again, all behavior is linked to a particular attitude of the heart. And so Parents do well to learn how to reach past that outward behavior, pull out what it is that is driving that outward behavior, what's going on in the heart, and then we're able to address it from a biblical perspective. And, you know, let me just say one more thing about whining. I've noticed more and more that kids today, it seems like they don't just whine when they want something. Kids today, they whine just as a general means of communicating. Mm. And so, you know, this this plan works the same. Say that mom's driving the minivan and the child's strapped in the back seat, and they're just trying to have a conversation with mom in a whiny voice. Same thing. Oh, honey, are you, are you talking with a self-controlled voice? And, well, sweetie, God wants you to have self-control. So, you know, here's my cell phone. We're going to set the timer for three minutes, and then you can have self-control and we can have this conversation. And some parents may think, well, my child's stubborn. My child wouldn't come back and ask for the juice, or my co- child will just clam up and then not have the conversation. Well, natural consequence. You don't get mm-hmm. the juice and you don't get to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes we just think something's not going to work. But um, just like us as adults, I think Carolyn Leaf says it takes 63 days to create a new habit. I can't remember. But um, we are habitual people. And so if we think that whining is going to work, we're going to keep doing it. But if there's always this roadblock that's teaching us to do something a different way and the parent is consistent enough to mm-hmm. create a new pattern, then the child learns. That is and, so true. And I love, um, I also read a book when my kids were little called One, Two, Three Magic. And I, it's not really completely One, Two, Three Magic. I think it's like One, Two, Three Magic. One, two, three, one, two, three, do this over and over and over again. But what I loved about that book was that you give a warning, you give a chance for them to correct their behavior, and then you provide a consequence, you know? And so yours is a little backwards to where there's the warning, the um, consequence, and then the behavior correction, which either way, it, it, it's just a 
it's a point at which you're giving your kids the opportunity to make the right choice and to correct their own behavior rather than just the punishment. Mm-hmm. Like you're not you're not ending on the punishment. You're ending on you get to you can make this different for yourself, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. and here's how and here's what how God would have us do it. So I'm going to give you that opportunity to think about how to change this behavior and then to pursue that, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. and I, I love that because really that's that's real life. I mean, that's what God does with us as adults, you know, um, right. He's saying, hey, Char-, that's what conviction is. Um, this isn't how I want you to be doing this. So are you going to choose me or are you going to choose something else? If you choose something else, there's a consequence to that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's right. The law of the harvest. When there's yep. a, when, when, when disobedience is met with a painful consequence, then, then children learn the law of the harvest. They learn that God has built the principle of sowing and reaping into their worlds. And that's a lesson that is better for them to learn young instead of older because it can really um, save them from some really hard times. Yeah. So do you have any additional um, like tricks on how to get your children to implement these principles or is that pretty much like the simplified plan? It's, that's a simplified plan. But yes, for actually implementing these principles, um, one thing that I talk about is the practice principle, which involves, and, and you've actually touched a little bit on that um, just in the in the things that you've just said, um, but requiring them to practice that biblical alternative to the wrong behavior. It is never enough to just verbally instruct our children in what not to do. We have to instruct them in what to do. We have to teach them how to replace what is wrong with what is right. And then most important, we want to actually have them to go back and practice that, go back and do it. And so, uh, you know, just a quick example, like say that a child speaks disrespectfully to his parent and, you know, young kids do that and teenagers do that. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times the parents will say something like, that was disrespectful. You shouldn't speak to me like that. Now go to your room. But see, mm-hmm. that, that, is, that is ineffective child training because that most important part is left out. We shouldn't just rebuke and discipline, uh, administer some sort of consequence for a child who speaks disrespectfully. We should have him come back and practice the biblical alternative by communicating the right way with the appropriate words and the appropriate tone of voice. And for many children, particularly mine as they were growing into their teen years, the appropriate facial expression. <laughs> So yeah. that's that's a big thing. When we train our children in what's right and require them to actually practice what's right, we're teaching them how to grow in wisdom and we're preparing them to govern their own actions for future situations. So if we are real here um, as parents, I think the reality is that it takes us twice as much self-control to teach our kids self-control in the right way, you know? Um, Because a lot of the times when my kids misbehave toward me, I just want to react, but I have to choose self-control to train them to have self-control. I can't be out of self-control and be telling them to be self-controlled because it's completely <laughs> hypocritical. Yes. Um, and, and they won't respond to that. And so I think that um, when you look at the fruits of the Spirit, I've, I noticed this not too long ago, but self-control is the one at the end of all of them. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the one fruit that we have to use actually to 
apply all the rest of them. So if I want to be patient, I have to use self-control. If I want to be kind, I have to be Uh self-controlled. If I want to love other people instead of myself, I have to control my Uh self-love. And it's amazing how... You know, it just, it's kind of like a cherry on top. I don't think it should be the last one listed. I think it should be poured over all the rest of them. Mm, <laughs> you know? Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Or like maybe whipped cream, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I love, I love what you're saying here. Um, what are some elements that you would say are ineffective disciplining uh, for parents? Well, when children speak offensively or disobey or, or whatever, parents often respond in one of two ways. It seems like a lot of them either ignore the child, hoping that he'll outgrow it, or they'll just administer some sort of consequence, hoping, as we hear people say, to put the fear of God in them. But Mm. both of those methods are ineffective because they fail to train and instruct. And, you know, there are occasions when ignoring may seem more convenient for us, because after all, it does take time to train our children in the way they should go. But to ignore a child who is in need of correction and guidance is to really selfishly place our own interest above the interest and the well-being of that child. And then on the other hand, consequences for wrong behavior definitely have their place, but they are not a substitute for training and instructing. Administering consequences without following through with with that righteous training only teaches kids one thing, that there are consequences for sin. And, Mm. you know, while that is an important lesson, an even greater lesson, is to understand that higher calling of living in ways that are pleasing to God and bring Him the glory that He deserves. So our purpose in disciplining our children, it's not merely to teach them to avoid consequences, but to train and instruct them to honor God with their lives. Mm -hmm. I love that. I just think about um, just last week, I get all these emails from my kids' school, and it's all these announcements, and I don't know if they remember them or they heard them when they were in school. I don't know if they checked their email. So I try to go down through um, through the emails and make sure that they know all of it. And so the other day I was doing it with my older son, and he was like, yeah, yeah, mom, already read all that. I know, I know. And he just was cutting me off, but it was because he was being responsible and he, he's trying to be responsible. I think that's what was his heart, but he was being a little um, snippy with me uh-huh. and my husband was in there too. And I was going to let it go. Cause I was just like, we need to go and we need to get to school. I don't want the conflict right now. And then I realized I need to say something now. So I looked at him and I just said, Jacob, um, I'm telling you these announcements because it's my job as your parent to make sure that you know them. And I'm really glad you've read them. But if I don't try to remind you and you didn't know it, then you're going to be mad at me for not telling you. Uh So (laughs) I'm going to tell you and you're just going to have to hear it twice so that we can all be on the same page and so that we can all have a happy communicating family. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, And it was funny because it, it, he really did see she's right. Like if she doesn't tell me and I don't know, I'm going to be upset and I'm going to be mad at her for not telling me. So uh-huh. we had a really great moment in that time. But that's instruction. That's when I could have avoided it. I didn't really want to do it at the time, but... 
I think now he understands mom's mm-hmm. going to come to me with these things I've already read. I'm probably already going to know it, but I'm just going to listen to her anyway and mm-hmm. appreciate it, you know? Right. So, so sometimes yep. it's just taking the time, just taking it. And it doesn't have to be this long, drawn right. out sermon conversation. It can just be a minute or two yep. just to take time to instruct them. And, you know, a lot of times when we're in the heat of the moment, we're in a hurry. Maybe we're cooking dinner. We're on the phone with someone. We're upset or emotional about something. In those moments, the heat of the moment, sometimes we don't take the time to do it right. And one thing that I read about you, Shari, that you did, and I also did, and I think it is very beneficial for moms to do this is to write down some of the things that your kids do struggle with and have something to say about it. Have a few suggested heart probing questions, maybe jotted down about those things and some scripture to go to that addresses them so that Mm -hmm. we're not frustrated and not knowing what to say and how to handle it. If you've got that, you know, that quick reference you know, notes or or flip chart kind of thing right at your fingertips, it just helps us to be a little bit more consistent when we are in the heat of the moment. So that was something that you and I both did. I read that you did that and I did that as well. And it's very helpful just to think ahead, think ahead. At your fingertips. I kept it in my purse. And I think people thought I was a little crazy because I'm like, oh my gosh, my kid is hitting another kid. What should I do? Mm -hmm. So... Um, well, I've really enjoyed our time together, Ginger. I'm so excited that you agreed to be on Overcoming Monday. And I'm positive our listeners have received some little secrets for their big breakthrough. And uh, I just wondered, as we close, would you take a minute to share how they can get a copy of your book if they wanted to like get it today, how they can order it, and how they can connect with you online? Okay. Yes. I love to stay connected with moms. Love encouraging moms. Um, The book, the new one, I can't believe you just said that, is available anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, I know Lifeway's carrying them. So, um, but of course I would love for people to get them directly from my website if they would like Mm -hmm. to, which is gingerhubbard.com. And um, to connect with me, I am, I'm not so much on Facebook. I I mean, I am, but I prefer Instagram. So I'm ginger.hubbard on Instagram and love posting there and connecting with those moms. And then um, very quickly, one facet of ministry that I've recently started um, that I'm getting a really great response to and just love encouraging moms in this way is that I get lots and lots of parenting questions through email, and I just can't respond to them all personally. So I've started this new facet of ministry called Ask Ginger, where I'm taking these parenting questions and I'm answering them via a three to five minute video. And Mm -hmm. so um, I've got like what to do when kids lie, when kids won't share, when kids argue, complain. The one that I actually posted this morning um, was what to do when kids throw tantrums. And so you can um, find me on YouTube answering those videos or the best thing to do is to sign up for my blog on my website and then you'll get the answers to all of these sort of questions um, via a video through in their inbox through email so they can just go to gingerhubbard.com and sign up for my blog and they'll get all of these answers that I'm posting through video wonderful well that's a great solution because I get a lot of emails too and I feel like I answer the same ones repetitively so I'm sure that you do that too and so these videos are going to be wonderful for those moms out there and also probably even more engaging than an email so thank you so much for being on this podcast Ginger I hope one day I can meet you and I hope that your finger heals from being (laughs) cut off and we will both have a better day all right sounds good thanks for having Mm -hmm. me. Thank you. 
We're thankful you chose to listen to Overcoming Monday, a production of Clayton King Ministries. This podcast happens because of you. There are three ways you can help us reach even more people. Be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at shariking99. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to CKM, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry at claytonking.com give. And of course, subscribe. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out her blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.